it for those of you who don't know. Taryn is actually my niece. Wow, this pulpit is just out, out of control. Okay. Uh, my name is Johnny Esposito. If you don't know it, Esposito actually means little husband in Spanish. God had a sense of humor. Somebody say amen. Okay. So, uh, but uh, Taryn is my niece, and, and Pastor Joel and Taryn have been very gracious to me this past week. I will say this. They they stuck me in the basement, you know. That's where uncles belong, right? And last night, the kids were like running back. I said, wow, what is going on up there? But it is a joy to be here. Other than the pulpit, it is a joy to be here. Uh, in America, it's a little bit discouraging. Usually, the first thing I do when I go to a church, I usually go up and check out the pulpit. If it's a little bit too big, I just go ahead and leave, tell the pastor I'm sick. But... Uh, um, my, my wife and I, we've been married for 41 years. We have five children. We have 30 grandchildren, two more coming this month. One of the ladies asked me today, do you remember all of their names? Most of them, 90% of the time. But we have a couple Oralias and Olivias. They get me a little bit mixed up. But uh, we've been on the mission field now almost 11 years. We served in the ministry almost 30 years here your church has been supporting us for many, many years. Actually, uh, it all started in Geneseo and uh, when Pastor Joel was an assistant pastor there. And of course, uh, we're thankful for your prayers. We're thankful for your financial support. And we're grateful to be here. Boy, the worship was great. And I got some pictures of Tara and I'm going to put that on Facebook and that type of thing. So I think maybe. But it, it is good to be here. If you had been here, and I don't even remember the first time I was at Cross Point. I know it was before you were in this building, because I can remember specifically one time Pastor Joel, myself, and some of the good faithful men, we walked around this building praying that you would actually get this building. God was sort of working uh, towards that direction, so I remember that. We were trying to remember, was I at the hotel or the, what, what was that other one? YMCA. I don't remember uh, which one it was, but when you get my age, you'll understand about that not remembering. But so you've been supporting us for a long time. My wife and I are presently living in Thailand, but we've worked in uh, three. We have three teams sent out of our church. We have a team in Cambodia. My wife and I lived and served in Cambodia two years. We have a team in Communist Lao. We lived and served there for four and a half years. We have a team in Thailand, and we've been there for the last two years. We even spent almost a year in China. But if you had been here whenever the first time I was at Cross Point, you would have heard me tell the story how God moved on my heart to surrender to go to the mission field. And I'm not going to tell the story right now, but it'll lead up to the video we're going to see in a moment. But I saw a little girl. She was four or five years old, a little Hmong girl in the mountains of northern Thailand. God broke my heart for that part of the world. And I, and I told God something like this. I said, God, I'm, a, I'm an old man. I didn't get to the mission field until I was 56. I said, I'm, a, I'm an old man. I'm never going to learn the language well enough to be able to preach and teach in the language. It's going to be a little bit of a struggle to, to learn the culture and adapt to the culture. But as I looked at that little girl and, and I said, God, if I can reach a little girl, little boys like her, even one, it'd be worth going to the mission field. And to be honest with you, I didn't think the Lord would be able to do a whole lot. But God has been very, very good over the last 10 and a half years. And this video, you'll be able to see fruit that abounds 
to your account. Now, by the way, you'll notice some pictures are a little bit blurry because when they were given to us, it was for security reasons uh, and that type of thing. But I hope you'll enjoy the video, very short video, and then I'll share a thought or two with you this morning. Johnny and Denise Esposito have served in Asia for almost 11 years now. They have had the privilege to serve in two different communist countries, Laos and China, as well as serving in the countries of Cambodia and Thailand during their time in Asia. Pastor, by the, way. They have also had the privilege of doing ministry in the countries of Myanmar and Indonesia. Over the past 10 and a half years, the Espositos have been involved with soul winning, discipleship, church planting, leadership development, starting and teaching in Bible institutes and Bible colleges, in addition to now serving with their team in Thailand, over the past three years, the Espositos have had the privilege to start Operation Samaritan's Compassion, which is a ministry that is committed to helping the poor, the needy, and the helpless in the countries of Laos, Vietnam, Myanmar, Cambodia, and Thailand. Operation Samaritan's Compassion was started because of the pain, the peril, and the poverty during the COVID crisis. In the past three years, somewhere between 950 and 1,000 people have trusted Christ and 250 of these have been baptized as a direct result of showing the love and compassion of our God to the poor, the needy, the helpless. In addition to this, four churches have been planted as a direct result of Operation Samaritan's Compassion. Now that COVID for the most part is over, Operation Samaritan's Compassion is focusing primarily upon poor widows, poor fatherless children, helping poor children get an education and assisting with emergency medical needs. God has been so good to the Espositos over the past almost 11 years. Many have been saved, baptized, and discipled over this period. Many people, both young and old alike, have been trained to live for God and serve God in their various harvest fields. And multiplied multitudes of hurting people have experienced the love and compassion of Christ and His people by being helped in their time of despair. Thank you for praying and thank you for giving.
right, of course, with every one of those faces, there's a story. Johnny. There you go, okay. If you have a Bible, you could turn to Matthew chapter 20, but I think the verses are actually going to be up on the screen. As I mentioned a few moments ago, my wife and I are presently in Thailand. Our, my, my, our ministry is a little bit different than many of the missionaries who will come in and many of the missionaries that you'll support. Of course, our dear friend and our actually our team leader, Dave Board, will be with you soon, I think, uh, real soon. But my wife and I, uh, over the almost 11 years now, We've, we've lived in four different countries, lived and served in four different countries. Most of my ministry is really a discipleship, leadership development, helping to get Bible colleges uh, and or Bible institutes started. I do a lot of uh, what in America we would call seminars, uh, leadership seminars, that type of thing, because of many, many years in the ministry. And we're, we're very, very thankful. And we're thankful for your prayers. We're thankful for your financial support. This morning, what I'd like to do is I would like to share something from Matthew chapter 20. And I want to talk to you a little bit about a new ministry we started during COVID. I asked Pastor Joel, and I think I may have talked a little bit about it the last time I was with you. How many of you remember COVID? Anybody remember COVID? Wasn't that a blessing? <laughs> How could we forget March 2020, the longest decade of my life? But uh but during COVID, you know, a lot of people complained about we can't do ministry. And, and a lot of my peers, a lot of my dear friends complained about it. But the most fruitful years of my ministry started during COVID. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. By the way, I want to mention we have a book called The Samaritan's Compassion. We have a few of them on the back table. There is no price. It's donation only. It goes to the ministry we'll talk about in just a moment. I've got as much as, as little as $5 for a book, as much as $100 for a book. You say, Brother Johnny, which would you prefer? I'll take the 100 Amen. So anyway, we've got those on the back table. Anything you can afford. If you're able to stand, let's go ahead and stand. And if I can stand on my tiptoes, I'll read these verses from my Bible here. Matthew chapter 20, 29 through 34, I'll read out loud. You can read along with me silently if you would. This is just before Jesus enters into Jerusalem for basically the last week of his life. This is the last mission, uh, last um, compassionate miracle of Jesus before his crucifixion. The Bible says that as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him, followed Jesus. Behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. They're saying, hey, feel our pain. We often say, I feel your pain. That's basically what mercy means. Feel our pain. Help us in the midst of our pain. And the multitude, those who are following Jesus, rebuked them. And you have to understand, just like where I live, if you're disabled, you're blind, you're crippled, you're deaf, you're dumb, uh, that's because of your previous life. You're getting what your family or you deserve. And unlike America, America, we treat disabled people very well, but where I live, they don't. They curse them, so they're rebuking them. The multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace, but they cried the more. Notice that persistence, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. 
When Jesus, Jesus stood still and called them and said, what will ye that I shall do unto you? In other words, what can I do for you? Verse number 33, they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. By the way, they're not only blind, they're poor. That's why they're begging. At that time, if they're blind and they come from a wealthy family, they're not going to be on the side of the road. So not only do they have a physical disability, but they're extremely poor. They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion. Can everybody say compassion? So Jesus had compassion. That word compassion, if we were to give it terminology today, it's a gut-wrenching pain. Something you feel inside because of something that you see outside. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. I want you to notice verse 34. I want you to notice the compassion, which leads to him touching their eyes, their eyes being opened, and they follow Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd bless the few moments that we have together this morning. We're thankful for Pastor Joel, the Coburnett family. We're thankful for those who came here and were a part of this a church family from the very beginning. And we're thankful for everyone here. We're thankful for their financial support for through, over the years and their prayer support. I pray that you'd bless in a few moments that we have. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I love this story. I love to read the Gospels uh, for about the last 12 years now. Uh, I, I've made a decision that every day I read something from the Gospels. Every day, every morning, I read something from the Gospels. Anywhere from two to six chapters every day. I've been doing it for maybe a little bit over 12 years. When you read the Gospels, you see how Jesus lived. You'll see how Jesus loved. You'll see how Jesus served. By the way, you'll see who he served. You'll see what Jesus taught. You'll see the spirit in which he taught. You'll see the miracles that he performed. And you'll see the motivation behind those miracles. And this is one of those stories today. Jesus is traveling uh, through Jericho. And we don't have time to tell the whole story. But Jericho was one of the places that those from Galilee would travel. Because they wouldn't go through Samaria. They always went around Samaria. So they would travel through Jericho. And that was about what we would say about 17, 18 miles uh, from Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to the cross. As he's traveling through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, multitudes are following him. And everywhere that Jesus went, there's always multitudes following him. Because there was something different about Jesus than the religious leaders of his day. So there's multitudes following him. And, and so as he's walking, there's these two blind men. And they begin to cry out. And again, they're blind, they're poor, and they, they have nobody to help them. They cry out, and we don't know from the text whether they've ever had any experience with Jesus. But no doubt, they heard about Jesus, because this is near the end of his three-year ministry. So they've heard about Jesus, they've heard about his love, his compassion, his healing, and, and they want to get in on some of that. And so they, they hear the ruckus and they're asking what's going on. And maybe they hear people mentioning Jesus' name. They cry out to Jesus. They get rebuked. Because in a sense, these two blind men are ruining the parade. And again, we don't have time, but again, 
in that culture at that time, like the part of the world I live in, if you were blind, if you were poor, if you had any kind of physical di uh, disability, it was on you because of a previous life or because of your family. And you were just considered like a scum of the scum of society. So they're rebuking, of course, Jesus says, what can I do for you? And, and they say, we, we want to be able to see. And Jesus heals them. Their eyes are open. And if you didn't do so, I would underline or highlight the words, and they followed him. One thing that I've learned over the last few years, many years, but especially since I've been on the mission field, but especially the last three years when we started a ministry called Operation Samaritan's Compassion. If we will show compassion to those who are hurting, often their hearts will be open to the gospel. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men so that they will hear your good words. Now, that's not what he said. So they will see your good works. Here's what I found. If we will let them see our good works first, they're more prone to hear our good words. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to take a few moments and I would share with you a little bit about Operation Samaritan's Compassion. And then I want to tie it with what we can do right here in Davenport. Okay, I almost forgot where we were at. In Davenport, Iowa. So three years ago, March 2020, everybody remembers it. Three years ago, my wife and I left Laos to come. This was before COVID hit America, or at least before it was big in America. Uh, we were told uh, that if we wanted to get out of uh, Laos, the country of Laos, uh, we needed to leave right away. We were going to go on a furlough May 2020. So to make a long story short, we came. Well, nobody knew what was going on going to happen with COVID. Of course, we all know now. But uh, so we got stuck here for a long time. Last time I was with you, we were stuck here because of COVID. During that time, I was a little bit discouraged because, you know, you, you really couldn't get in many churches, especially in the early days. And that's what missionaries do when they're in states. They report, they talk about their ministry. And every once in a while, I would say to my wife, look, I'm a missionary. I need to be on the mission field or I need to be reporting. Well, the country we were serving in, it was locked down for two years. We couldn't get back. Many of the churches, they wouldn't let us come. It just wasn't a real good time for missionaries in America. So to make a long story short, little by little, we started hearing about some problems with some of the people the, you know, COVID affected everybody, of course, and in many different ways. One of the ways is economically. But in, in Laos and Thailand, Cambodia, the countries that we lived and served and, and that we had a lot of people, a lot of acquaintances and people that we loved dearly, they were struggling really bad. So I was in a church in San Diego. Things started opening up. I, we were meeting outside, and they had two services like you have it. Everything was, uh, you know, disinfectant and got a, you know, empty seats and all that kind of thing. And well, I preached a message on compassion, not the one I'm preaching today on compassion and just the need for compassion. And the pastor was sitting on the front row, dear friend of mine. He's been, he's visited our ministries. He's supported us for many years. 
Well, to make a long story short, we had a break in between the first and second service, like we're going to have in a couple minutes. And uh, during the break, I was talking to people, make sure we keep distance. We all had masks on, you know, spray to disinfect, all the kind of stuff we did in those days. And, and the pastor disappeared, and the next service came, and the pastor introduced me. But as he introduced me, he said, you know, Brother Esposito really uh, spoke to my heart. God spoke to my heart through the message. I told some stories about people who were struggling, suffering. He said, I met with our men, and uh, what we did is we're going to give him $20,000, $10,000 to go to Cambodia, $10,000 to go to Laos, because God's blessed us, and, and we want to be a blessing. And that day, I realized that God had me here for a reason. I was stuck here for a reason. So over the last three and a half years, we've raised over $100,000. And what we do is we send it to national pastors, and they help the poor, the needy, and the helpless. And it's been un unbelievable what God's done. As you heard on the video, we've had over 1,000 people saved, 250 people baptized, four churches planted as a direct result of Samaritan's compassion, reaching the poor, the needy, and the helpless. So this morning, what I want to do, I want to share just three stories. I could be here till one o'clock and share a lot of stories, but that's, pastor's not going to let that happen. As a matter of fact, I got about 20 minutes, okay? So, so I'm going to share three stories real quickly. The first story I want to share with you, remember in the text, compassion, healing, Eyes opened, they followed Jesus. So I'm going to tell you a couple of stories that sort of goes with the text. Juan Bao is one of our Bible college students. Juan Bao, as a matter of fact, Juan Bao preached yesterday. I got text messages today. Juan Bao preached yesterday in one of our churches. Juan Bao is one of our Bible college students. Juan Bao was reached by uh, Pastor Gong, and, and Pastor Gong is one of our Bible college graduates, somebody I discipled, doing a great job, just had their seventh anniversary, had 200 in a communist country at that, 200 on his seventh anniversary, doing a great job. Uh, yesterday, Sunday for them yesterday, uh, he actually preached uh, like a missions revival at another church in, in the country of Laos. So, so make a long story short, Gong got saved. Eight, nine months after Gong got saved, I preached a message about from Matthew chapter 9, we need to send laborers to the harvest. Harvest is plenteous. Laborers are few. Gong raised his hand, surrendered to go full-time ministry. About a month or two later, Gong made a decision to go back to his village about 90 miles away and start reaching people for Christ. By the way, that's our responsibility, go out and reach people for Christ. He went back to his village, started reaching some of the kids he went to school with, some of the kids that he knew. Juan Bao was one of the very first. Juan Bao got saved. They tried to share the gospel with Juan Bao's parents, mother, and father many times. They were not interested. And then COVID. Can everybody say COVID. Then COVID hit. And it decimated that country. Nobody could work. The average income is $200 a month. Most of them have just a little selling vegetables. that they, weren't, they couldn't do that. No savings accounts. No discretionary money. No Congress decided how much are we going to get for a stimulus package. So we COVID hit and we started shipping funds. One of the uh, ministries was this ministry and they fed and helped and with medical, a lot of, a lot of people. Well, one of the families that we helped with was Juan Bao's family. Two weeks after we helped them, lo and behold, 
Juan Bao's mother came to the church service a couple weeks later. She got saved. Could somebody say amen? She got saved. A couple weeks later, maybe maybe a month later, the father came to the church service, started coming, took a couple weeks. He got saved. Somebody say amen. Both, by the way, mom and dad are both in heaven right now. Sister got saved. So these are pictures. This is a picture of the family getting baptized. Uh, Wan Bao, and uh, in the lower left-hand corner, they're actually burning a little bit of idols, little idols that they had, you know, in, in their, their little hut. You say, what's, what's, what's the message here? We showed compassion. That compassion touched their hearts. And when that compassion touched their hearts, it opened their ears, opened their eyes, because their eyes had been blinded by the God of this world. They responded to the gospel, and they started following Jesus. Somebody say amen. It's been amazing. Let's share another story with you. If you go to the next slide. This little girl, you actually saw her on the video. If you'll remember, there was a, a little girl getting a little birthday cake. Uh, she, This little girl, this is an amazing story, and I could take a long time to share this story, but we don't have the time. Her name is Pian Chai. Pian Chai, we don't even know how old she is today, but Pian Chai is about four or five years old, maybe six years old. I get text messages almost every day from all over Asia. People need help. And could, Pastor Johnny, can you help us? And, and we've got this problem. We've got this issue. And one day, Pastor Kampai, a dear friend of mine, and uh, some of our Bible college students are actually members of his church and that type of thing. One day, he sent me a text message. Would have been a little bit over a year ago. And he said, Pastor Johnny, could you help with this little girl? We don't know the problem with this little girl, but she needs some help. And he told me the story, and I'm giving you the a Reader's Digest condensed version of the story. He said, we were in a village. We were going to a village. We were sharing the gospel. We were discipling some people who had been saved. And a woman came up to my mother and said, you're Christians. There's a little girl. She needs help. Could you go see her? Make a long story short, uh, they sent me a link uh, on Facebook to a video. In, in Southeast Asia, they don't... <laughs> Uh, they they show videos they probably shouldn't show. That, that somebody gets in an accident, their brains are shit on the ground, and they'll show the video. Here's my mother. She got in a motor accident. It's like, oh, man. Uh, they just, they don't think like we do. They showed a video of this little girl trying to go bathroom. Of course, there's no toilets in the houses of the people that would, they have no furniture, period. And so she's outside trying to go bathroom. There's this video, and she is screaming. Blood curdling, screaming. You can't figure it out. So I told Pastor Kampai, of course we'll help. Find out what the problem is. They, they took her in and, and she had a, oh, I can't even think of the word for it now. <laughs> anyway, she couldn't go to the bathroom. What, what's the thing? Get stuck in your system. What? Yeah, like a blockage. Well, anyway, I, I can't think of the word for it now. All of a sudden, my mind just went blank. Hey, you'll get old someday too. But that's it. Looks, kidney stone, thank you. Who said that? You get the candy in the, oh, I don't have any. But anyway, a kidney stone, thank you, thank you. So I forget how big it was. They told me how big it was. So I Googled 
Not happening. If they had not removed that kidney stone, she would have died. They removed the kidney stone. It costs like $500 to save her life. And because of it, as you see on the screen, eight people got saved. Seven of them are still attending church services almost a year and a half later. She's now living with the pastor's mother. That's her sitting on my wife's lap. She's now living with the pastor's mother. We pay for her to go to school. See, compassion. Here's what we were told, not personally, our, our team there. They were told, you helped her. The Buddhist monks didn't help. The Bible says in Jude, and of some have compassion making a difference. Tell you one more story real quickly. If you go to that next slide, please. Pastor B. Pastor B is actually one of our graduates. He's been pastoring about seven years now. He actually uh, used to attend my wife's English class when we served in the country of Laos. Missionaries are not really allowed. And so we had an English school. We started an English school. But he's a Bible college graduate. He had been pastoring for a few years before COVID hit. And uh, it was a decent-sized church for that part of the world, uh, considering the circumstances. He was reaching the Lao people. They're all Buddhists, hardcore Buddhists. They were running about 30 or 35, and then COVID. Can everybody say COVID? COVID hit. For almost two years, the churches in that country never met in person. Almost two years. They'd be out. They couldn't meet for 26 weeks at one time. They'd meet for about a month. Then there'd be an outbreak. Eight more weeks, and over and over again for two years. Country was locked down. You couldn't get in. You couldn't get out for two years. You know, we complained here in America. You have no clue what it was like in Asia. So <clears throat> during that time, he, many of his church members, probably half of his church members at that time, were what we would call sweatshop workers. They worked in factories. And they got during COVID, they got locked into the factory. But the factory wouldn't feed them, and so somebody had to bring food to the main office. Just a really bad thing. So what we did is we started helping them. We started sending money to Pastor B, and what they would do is they'd buy food, toiletries, stuff you need, you know, basic essentials, and they would bring it to the factory and turn it into the main office. Then they started going to surround his village and surrounding villages, start helping some of the poor and needy. Once the doors were able to be opened, his church doubled in attendance immediately. In just a matter of a few weeks after they were allowed to meet, they had dozens saved. They had, I think, 28 baptized. The last time I preached for him, the place was packed. In fact, I think that's, that's the service right there. There he is. And there I am with actually with a grandmother that we're, uh, we sent her, their kids, eight, eight grandchildren to school. But you say, what happened? Compassion. Just like the text today. Jesus saw the need. He heard the cries. His heart was filled with compassion. He met the need. Their eyes were open. They chose to follow him. This church doubled in attendance almost overnight. Now you say, Brother Johnny, what does that have to do with us in Davenport, Iowa? Because Davenport, Iowa is just a little bit different than where I live. As a matter of fact, 
I'm very overdressed. I usually preach barefoot, but I didn't think you'd like to see my toes this morning. If you'd like to see me. Uh, anyway. So needless to say, it's a little bit different here. Nobody, nobody that we minister to, and I can only think one or two people over the almost 11 years, has a car. Nobody. Some of them ride a moto. Someone, one of the men today was talking to me about moto, two people on the moto. I've seen as many as six people on one moto. It's a little scary. Mother's carrying a baby in this hand, this hand, and there's all, it, it's just packed out, you know. But that's, it's not like that in America. So what does that have to do with us? Can I just say this? Compassion makes a difference here too. It's going to look a little differently, but it makes a difference here. So one thing that I would encourage and challenge you to do is to ask God to help you to be a compassionate Christian. Because outside the walls of this building, there are marriages that are a mess. There are families, there are children, that, there are people getting involved with drugs and alcohol. I, before I got saved, I was involved with drugs and alcohol, in and out of jail, involved with the gangs in Los Angeles. But there were some folks who had compassion towards me. And that compassion made a difference. I'm here today because somebody reached out and loved me and, and cared for me. And to be quite honest with you, the average Christian would have had very little to do with me. Taryn today is a Christian because others had compassion on me. And so this morning... We want to realize that compassion does make a difference. By the way, it makes a difference in the lives of those that we're reaching out to, but it also makes a difference in your life, in your heart, in your life, and in my life. Where you work, where you go to school, in your neighborhood, there's people that need the Lord, but they can't see Jesus. The only hands that Jesus has in the world today are your hands and my hands. When I was a teenage boy, actually I was watching the movie. Is it okay to mention the movie? The Jesus Revolution. I was saved during the Jesus movement. I was watching the movie the other day at Pastor Joel's and Terrence Place. And second time I watched it, I had forgotten I watched it. It's, it's old age, I know. But, but the compassion, the very first church I ever went to was Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, Chuck Smith. That whole story is an amazing story. A, a traditional pastor dressed in suits and ties and small church where everybody sat in their ways. He didn't want to change. But he changed. Then just bless his church started a movement. And I can remember as a teenager standing on street corners over and over again during the Jesus People movement. People would hand me tracks. Those cartoon tracks. The other tracks did nothing. I didn't want to read. I want pictures. Somebody say amen. 
But a young girl from our neighborhood, she got saved. She was involved with the gangs. She got a big smile on her face, lived next door to us. And she started lovingly reaching out to us. And when she would come, we'd go, you know, we, not, she would invite us to church. And I, I literally thought the walls of the building would fall down on us. First time I ever attended a church service, she invited us to see a movie called The Cross and the Switchblade. She said, you got to come watch this movie. It's about gangs and drugs and violence. I said, wow. She said, it's free. I said, man, my favorite price. That was the first time I ever heard the gospel clearly, and I didn't get saved that day, but compassion. My challenge for the Cross Point church family this morning is, is very simple. Don't be like the multitudes in the story we read. Be like Jesus. Compassion is simply seeing the need and with God's help doing what you can to meet that need. Let's stand.